It's Monday, February the 3rd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, first coronavirus death outside China and Tanzania's deadly church stampede. First, the world in brief. The first person outside China died from the Wuhan coronavirus in the Philippines. More than 360 people have been killed by the new strain so far, with 17,000 others infected, the vast majority of whom are from Wuhan or the surrounding region. One of two new hospitals for treating the disease opens in the city today. Globally, governments are trying to stop the illness from spreading across borders. Stock markets in China reopened for the first time since closing on January 24th for the Chinese New Year. They plummeted in light of the alarming spread of the coronavirus in the period since. Both Shanghai Composite and Shenzhen Composite indices opened about 9% down, recovering only a fraction of their losses in early hours. The yuan weakened too, along with commodity prices. President Barham Saleh of Iraq named Mohammed Taufik Alawi as the country's new prime minister in an effort to quell growing political unrest. But more protests broke out anyway across Baghdad and several southern cities. Demonstrations have been ongoing since October, demanding the removal of Iraq's ruling elite and the creation of better jobs and public services. Police in London shot a young man dead after he stabbed two people in Streatham, a residential area in the south of the city. The suspect was reportedly wearing a fake suicide vest. Police said the incident was terrorism-related. The perpetrator had been under surveillance for distributing Islamic State propaganda. One of his victims was left in a life-threatening condition. At least 20 worshippers have been crushed to death at a church service in Tanzania. They were attending a Pentecostal service at a stadium in the northern town of Moshi when attendees stampeded forward to be anointed with blessed oil. Tanzania's president, John Magufuli, called for better security at large events. Zontagszeitung, a Swiss newspaper, reported that Credit Suisse has been spying on Greenpeace, an environmental group that has criticised it for investing in fossil fuels. The scandal-hit bank has previously admitted to snooping on its senior executives, but claims that the company's chief executive, Tijan Tiam, was unaware of the surveillance. And on a state visit to Kazakhstan, Mike Pompeo, America's Secretary of State, called on his host to join efforts in pressing China to improve its treatment of its Muslim minorities. China has detained over one million Muslim Uyghurs and ethnic Kazakhs in Xinjiang. It is a sensitive subject for Kazakhstan, which wants to strengthen its economic relationship with its larger neighbour. And now, here's today's agenda. At last, the Iowa caucuses. After months of rallies, debates and town halls, of flipping pork chops in Des Moines, glad-handing in Nashua and attending church services in Florence, tonight the first votes will be cast to pick America's next Democratic presidential nominee. For the Iowa caucuses, Democrats will gather in high school gyms, churches and town halls. Iowans caucus in person, all on one night. Supporters of each candidate huddle together and try to persuade others to join them. The process rewards candidates with passionate fans. Because of a surveying error, the Des Moines Register, a local newspaper, did not release its final poll, but Bernie Sanders' hard-left campaign likes its chances. Mr Sanders nearly defeated Hillary Clinton in Iowa in 2016. 
Democrats motivated enough to vote in the Iowa caucuses are notably left-wing, and Mr. Sanders' supporters are enthusiastic and well-organized. A win here, followed by one in New Hampshire, which votes next on February 11th, could give his candidacy momentum. Tricky Business – Stopping the Coronavirus To curb the spread of the Wuhan coronavirus, America and a growing number of other countries are denying entry to foreigners arriving from China. The World Health Organization says this can discourage affected countries from reporting cases and force infected people to try to enter illegally. Many countries are also screening arrivals from China for fever to detect those infected. Chinese airports are screening outbound passengers too. But academics at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine estimate that even when both exit and entry screening is in place, 46% of infected travellers will slip through because they will arrive during the incubation period of infection before symptoms develop. During the outbreak of SARS in 2003, another coronavirus, Australia screened 1.8 million incoming passengers and detained 794 of them for tests, but found no SARS cases among them. Screening at Canadian airports in 2003 also did not detect a single case. That year, SARS killed 44 people in Canada. Secondary infection, Hong Kong's GDP. Few economies are as vulnerable to the Wuhan coronavirus as Hong Kong's. Many of its industries, including tourism and professional services, rely on the easy movement of people. And many of its consumers, haunted by the SARS pandemic of 2003, are quick to worry about disease, an anxiety that will inhibit their spending on anything other than surgical masks. Hong Kong's GDP could shrink by 5.1% in the first quarter compared with a year earlier, according to Goldman Sachs, a bank. Today's GDP figure, which covers the last three months of 2019, will not reveal if they are right, but it will show how bad things were before Hong Kong's latest affliction. The final months of 2019 were marked by anti-government protests that wrought havoc on transport and tourism. In November, the number of visitors fell 56% compared with a year earlier. It was the sharpest drop since SARS, but it may soon be surpassed. Warsaw Reset, Macron in Poland Emmanuel Macron, France's president, will visit Poland today for the first time since he took office in 2017. Relations with Poland's Populist Law and Justice, PIS, government have long been strained. Shortly after becoming president, Mr Macron accused it of isolating itself in Europe. Polish citizens deserve better, he added. PIS's then prime minister responded by calling his remarks arrogant. This week, Mr Macron hopes to smooth relations. After meetings with the President and Prime Minister in Warsaw, he will travel to Krakow tomorrow to give a speech on the subject of Poland and France in Europe. A dispute over the rule of law will be the elephant in the room. The European Union objects to the way Poland's ruling party has been undermining the country's previously independent judiciary. Polish liberals are furious too. Mr Macron's visit will be a test of how strongly European leaders are prepared to press Poland to adhere to EU rules. Decision time. Britain's HS2 project. Commuters on British trains have come to expect delays, but frustrating as that can be, it pales in comparison with the wait for a final decision on the country's high-speed 2 rail project. 
The proposed line from London to northern England, which is Europe's largest infrastructure project, looks set to be given the green light this week. HS2 was first proposed in 2009 and got its initial go-ahead in 2012. But when Boris Johnson became Prime Minister last year, it was placed under review. There are many arguments against the project. For a decade, government cost-benefit analyses have tended to understate the costs and overplay the benefits. The budget has spiralled due to poor management from under £40 billion, $53 billion, to more than £100 billion. And some Tory MPs, through whose constituencies it runs, hate it. But a government committed to levelling up the North with infrastructure projects was always going to find cancelling HS2 difficult. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Woodrow Wilson, who passed away on this day in 1924. A nation is a living thing, and not a machine. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.